You're listening to The Final Take. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Wynn. And I'm Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. This episode, we play catch-up, where we discuss some TV that we've been watching, my trailer pitches, and review streaming movies, Encounter, Power of the Dog, and 8-Bit Christmas. And why are we catching Tim. up? <laughs> yeah, we're playing catch-up. You're on our non-COVID illness injured reserve, man. Right. <laughs> I just like two weeks in a row, man. I, I got something. I, my my little Petri dish children are bringing some stuff home. <laughs> and uh, You sound very nasally. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to paddle, battle through it, but, you know, we do what we can. You're soldiering on. Just, You're soldiering on, man. I am. I am totally soldiering on. So we're basically cramming what would would have been two episodes into one yes so yeah because we had to kind of delay this shooting out our little uh social media message stay tuned check out our any episodes you haven't watched or listened to and uh all that good stuff <laughs> it's a good thing that we decided to change the format to two episodes a week. i know right before <laughs> the holidays <laughs> then we get sick great time you know, i'll tell you every every <laughs> I'm mustering up every piece of ener- energy I have. So I-, I hope those that are listening appreciate this. I'll tell you. Well, I appreciate thank it. You. Uh, I appreciate it. Every five years, I would say, maybe four or five, over the holidays, I get incredibly deathly ill. And 2021, so knock on wood, we I don't get anything until 2026. It doesn't, yeah. the illness doesn't ruin my uh, my holidays. Oh, we have a lot of plans this holiday. We do. So hopefully you get better. I know. know. It's starting Monday. Well, let's get to it, man. Okay. No time to waste. Yeah, yeah. What's good on TV? You know, Tim, I think we're both watching the same thing. I'm a little ahead of you on this, though. Succession. Succession. Yeah. Yeah, On HBO Max. Yes. I'm all caught up. I'm I'm up through the, the, the season three finale, which was just this past Sunday. Right. And you're- Trailing by. Where at? Well- I was about three episodes in until this morning, and now I'm a little over halfway. Okay. So I decided to watch a little bit. I think I'm after episode five, so I have about four episodes to go. Trying to avoid headlines and spoilers, um, but I, I, Good luck. I, I kind of, <laughs> I, I'm kind of piecing some things together after I, a headline popped up in my news feed. I, it's okay. I usually will forget about it by the time it comes around. Well, let me tell you, it really picks up in the second half of the season. Nice. Yeah, so you're you're right at the part where things are starting to happen. I think you said that you're just past where they had their the um, the Senate hearings, right? No, I have not got there yet. They were picking the new president in Virginia. Okay. Yeah, so it, it was a slow start. It didn't really retain my uh, attention in the first two episodes, so I just kind of powered through. But now it's picking. Now it's picking up. Now, now yeah. the Roy family shenanigans are are in full force, and so I. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Like everyone's making power plays. Yes, I mean that's like every episode, right? But this, what the one you're on is where is where they badgered the sitting president yes. into not running, not running for reelection, right? Right. And so they're like a retreat of power brokers. Yes. Where they're deciding which which candidate to, to throw their weight I, behind or what, throw their money and influence behind. Right? I, I have to, to comment on Greg's line where he mentioned that I would do, I'd be doing my country a disservice if Connor Roy. <laughs> 
were to be running for president. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Greg is such a sad sack, and yet he's the he's the the perfect stand-in for the audience, right? Like we're all Greg. I know, and just sitting there, just mortified by the things that are going on with him. Greg that is hands down my favorite, and the and the rifting between yeah. Greg and time. Those are my favorite. The the favorite audience part. avatar. That's the word I was. Yeah, thinking of. that's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, he. Why yeah, are you here? So Where he? <laughs> he's like, uh, uh, there was that part where he's like, I get a vote, and then and then a vote in here. Is this the most important vote? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, he's so great. Oh. Yeah. So it, it gets better. It gets better in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, right. And you know, it's again, it's one of those things where it it leads up to just a feverish finish. Uh, at the end in, in the finale. Yes. So the, from what I've heard, so I heard it, it made some strong headlines. So I, I'm, I'm going to power through them and try to get through yeah. the rest of these. There is something else that uh, I did pick up this past week. Okay. So the sex in the city, I guess reboot, if that's how you want to call it. And uh, just like yeah. that, we started watching. And just like that. Yes. HBO max, <laughs> they dropped the first two episodes. And just like that, this show is terrible. I have to say, I'm not, enti- oh, no. I'm not entirely sure that I'm going to continue watching it. As a member of the male species, I found a lot of value in the show Sex in the City. Sex in the City as a show, you know, incredibly smart, very funny. It had so much character. It really defined each character. And I love shows where everybody gets their storylines and everything is very relevant very well told. And I, I think the movies really kind of spoiled that magic, so to speak. Yeah. Because it became so melodramatic. And just like that, everybody's crying. <laughs> and it's just not. I, I mean, t- TV's changed a bit well, since, the, the, you know, Sex in the City was. It has. Out, but right? the pendulum, but the thing is, is that Sex in the City, it's, it's not really how much time has changed or anything like that. It's the themes, you know, how how light they played with these with their themes and and even even heavy heavy uh, they they made light of everything even heavy topics but now it's just tragedy and yeah. um, I'm not going to give away any spoilers I mean it was tragedy <laughs> in the movie I was worried I was worried not that the world doesn't that, that know you it. Were- yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a great Peloton knockoff commercial that Ryan Reynolds d- did, and and you know if you want to see what it is, go ahead. Yeah, it's it just like that. It it just the pendulum just swings so hard between comedy and and melodrama that it's just it's not as amazing. They're really leaning into the whole post COVID life that got a little old really quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's interesting. A lot of the TV that's been on, I mean, even the movies, um, I think for the better, they've probably ignored, um, you know, COVID and how it's changed the world and and just our day to day lives. Right. If you're done with with just like that, I think I think that whole theme of you know representing COVID and TV. Uh-huh. Kind of lends itself to the other watch that I have. Okay, Swagger on Apple TV Plus. I haven't heard of this. Yeah, so I think towards the beginning of our run here, it was on my TV watch list. Uh-huh. So it's on Apple TV Plus. Follows a uh, a basketball phenom. It's kind of loosely based on Kevin Durant's life. Okay, 
and it, it follows them through like a AAU youth sports and all kind of the drama that goes along with it. So it's it's definitely like a sports drama on Apple TV Plus. And so I've, I've been following along during the season and the latter half of the season, you kind of saw hints of it. Like, you know, they'd have like a radio or TV playing in the background and you'd hear kind of hints of COVID. And then in like the fifth or sixth episode, they started having like masks and stuff start appearing like people in masks. Uh, face masks. And then the last couple episodes, they jumped ahead in time, basically saying like their season was shut down because of COVID. And then when it picks back up, they're full on like showing everyday school life for these kids that are in the show. You know, some are in person, some are online. They have to take daily tests if they want to practice and play. So really kind of portrays the all of the hoops that even our student athletes high school middle school will have to jump through in order to play their sport during this time and i think i can't remember any other show or movie that's that's leaned into you know how covid has affected our lives you know there's an an episode where they talk about the george floyd uh, rallies and stuff like that and equality rallies because it takes place uh, in maryland uh, in and around that area so i'm up through i think i'm current and last week was the penultimate episode of season 1 I and mean, it just it you know follows this team it's like an aau team and they're like going through the playoffs and there's a lot of fallout from, you know, the events of previous episodes where COVID related kind of, you know, and then just kind of drama within within the team. So it's a, it's a pretty good show. It's a really good watch, especially to get a glimpse of what these student athletes have to uh, are having to do to go through you know, to be able to play their sport. So it's it's been pretty good. I like it. Yeah. It, it, as far as co- the COVID lockdown and all that other kind of stuff is concerned. I mean, I look at it like this. I mean, I don't, I, I look at entertainment as escapism, yeah. no matter how mind numbingly idiotic anything is that we watch. Mm-hmm. I still find some type of redeeming value out of it just because I can escape, but I don't really need to a reminder every day of the things that we're talking about <laughs> on a daily basis. Uh, the world opened up. Uh, we're back, you know, when it was shut down. Uh, yeah. 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 It, it, you know, it's uh it's one of those things there's definitely kind of good and bad in terms of you know, how they've used COVID as a backdrop right. for, you know, for their season, which I mean, again, when you're talking about, you know, their, their subject matters, youth sports, basically. Right. And nothing's impacting youth sports more than COVID. So, yeah, I mean, I can see how they really wanted to lean into that and, and kind of pull in a lot of, a lot more current events into it. Because again, all of these things affect affect these kids, whether we want it to or not, right? Yeah, that's right. All right, let's get into your trailer pitches. Yeah, like always, lots of trailers. Lots of trailers. And, yeah, and uh, you know, because we, uh, we're catching up for a missed episode. That's right. Some were left on the cutting room floor. Let's hit okay. it. Okay, ready? Yeah, let's the do it. The Silent Sea on Netflix. The Silent Sea, it's like the Danny Boyle film Sunshine, but Korean and on the moon. I'll watch it. If you, <laughs> anyone who says, says Korean film right now, I mean, Hey man, that's, they're hot. They're hot right and now. And you know who's stealing from the Koreans? We are. We are Americans. Absolutely. That's right. Let me tell you something. My mom has been all in on Korean cinema before it was cool. And the evidence of that is on Netflix when she doesn't use her profile, our suggested watches on Netflix Filled with Korean titles. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so this looks good. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's based on a short film. I can't remember the name of the director, but it's based on a short film that he did called Sea of Tranquility. Okay. You know, it looks like there's there's a there's a moon base that they lost contact with. They send a rescue mission up there. In the trailer, they they find the crew and something mysterious has led to the base shutting down. And so it looks very interesting. It's foreign language. So you're either going to be listening to a bad dub or you're going to be doing a lot of reading. <laughs> I would rather read. I just can't listen to the bad yeah. dub. I'd rather read. Yeah. 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 All right. But it looks good. Looks good. Cool. Moving on. Moving on. The next one. Is this really a title of a film? <laughs> <laughs> it totally is. It's a show. Okay. <laughs> The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> so it's like all those girl in the, I say that in quotes, air quotes, oh. girl in the murder mysteries, but a parody. It's starring Kristen Bell and it's supposed to be a parody of all of those like dragon tattoo and girl on the train oh. and. Okay. You know, all those, yeah, all those murder mysteries that involve a girl being somewhere, possibly being murdered, you know, gone okay. girl. And it's like this woman who's in, I don't know if she's in lockdown, uh -huh. but basically she has a, a bit of a drinking problem and that causes, <laughs> she may or may not see a lot of things that makes her really paranoid. And yeah. so they kind of splice all of that together where she may or may not be seeing things. She may or may not be in therapy, but it looks hilarious. Okay. It looks really good. I can just imagine. Hey, did you watch that? The woman in the <laughs> house with the girl in the window across the street, or something like that. How are people going to say this to each other? You know, oh, I guess I have no. See that Kristen Bell you can't show? Even, yeah, the Kristen Bell show. You can't even say like an acronym because it's T W I T H A T S F T G. <laughs> the woman window in the house from the girl across the street. All right. Monarch on Fox. Empire, but with country music. Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> it seems to play exactly that way. Okay. It's following a family, a country music family. Um, that's where the the mom is the star and right. she might be slowing down and you have the kids that are trying to make a name for themselves. And then okay. if you're into that, if you're into Empire, right. but you need more country music versus rap, right. this is for you. Okay. I don't think there's really going to be much crossover on that one. <laughs> no. What was that? No, Little I think they're just going, I think they just realized that they got a pretty good formula yeah. and so might as well go after another demographic. Might as well. There's been nothing original invented since the Mona Lisa. All right. Again, another trailer. Another trailer. From the Book of Boba Fett, The Return. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the name of the trailer. It's the I think it's like the third, maybe fourth trailer. Right. The premiere is, is upon us. I think we're like 10 days out or something like that. My pitch on this, more please. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice little English accent, Oliver. <laughs> more please. All right. Um, you know, just more action gives, I mean, doesn't really give you much more about the series, but uh, if you weren't excited already, sure. 
they're gonna keep they're gonna keep rolling these trailers out before the premiere. So I don't really think they have to do anything. They're gonna get the eyeballs on this on this show. Even though everybody loved the the Mandalorian, this one is is more geared toward those hardcore Star Wars fans. Yeah, like us, those people who were we were children when when the original trilogy came out. So yeah, yeah. okay. Next, winning time: the rise of the Lakers dynasty. On HBO Max. I did actually catch this one. Oh, yeah. This one looks bonkers. But again, it, it's by Adam McKay. And so the, the pitch on this is 80s excess nostalgia. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in LA. I have to say, Lakers Celtics. It was as if there were no other NBA teams out there. It was the Lakers and yeah. the Celtics. So it's going to follow the rise of the Showtime Lakers. Uh-huh. I think the era is very much going to be a character like the 80s and excess. Mm-hmm. You know, John C. Riley is is starring as uh, Dr. Jerry Buss. So yeah, okay. I'm excited for nice. it. Yeah, definitely have to check this out. This looks out. really good. Good, good. All right. This is one I'm looking forward to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cobra Kai season four on Netflix. <laughs> I, so for the pitch, oh, yeah, go ahead. the pitch on this one, I'm going to steal from from uh, from The Office. It's a quote from, from Dwight Schrute. And the quote is, in an ideal world, I would have all 10 fingers on my left hand. So my right hand could just be a fist for punching. <laughs> <laughs> that describes this trailer. Yes. Um, <laughs> I am so excited about this. And I guess YouTube couldn't really keep, because this originally started on YouTube and it, and YouTube couldn't really yep. keep a... Uh, um, YouTube Red. Yeah. They couldn't keep a new content platform. Google, once again, proved to us that it's not easy standing these things up. That's right. Like, like standing up a new streaming platform. Yeah. Or standing up a new social network. Right. Google has shown that it's not easy. <laughs> I know. I'm glad Netflix picked this up and and what they're do- what oh, they're yeah. doing with this show is just an ode in honoring my childhood. For sure. For sure. I can't wait to see this one. And I was so giddy at the end of season three when they all got together. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. bringing Terry Silver so, into the mix. If you haven't seen Cobra Kai for whatever reason, there's no judgment here, but go watch it. Yes. It's all all of the, the previous three seasons are streaming on Netflix. I don't know if the Karate Kids are the movies, but it's a continuation of the Karate Kid movies yeah. when Danielson is all grown up, mm-hmm. but it actually it actually follows Johnny. Johnny, right. Is the main character. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, their kids are 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 part of it. Um and so they do a great job of telling new stories, mm-hmm. then also bringing in all those old rivalries and right. and the old stories from the original movies. Who would have thought that you could make a, a spinoff series to a beloved 80s movie mm-hmm. and have it be successful? <laughs> I know. And you know, I, I always heard that the, Go- the Goonies were going to try to do something where they were going to do something with their kids. Like, the, as yeah. characters, um, where their kids were going to go on an adventure, and but that never came to fruition. I've always wondered about that. We'll see if that has yet to happen. Hey, if Cobra Kai is setting the template, and yeah, you're already seeing Willow's going to have a series, mm-hmm. and that's right. You know, I think Punky Brewster had a series. Yeah. So oh. you never know. I know Punky Brewster was canceled. Oh, yeah. That's I shame. know. I I I loved every five minutes of it that I watched. <laughs> No, I'm kidding, but no, I'm not. All right. <laughs> so watch Cobra Kai season four. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Get caught up because season four is dropping soon. This next one I'm really excited for. Yes, I know you're very excited about this. Halo on Paramount Plus. Finally, 
Finally. That's the pitch. Finally. <laughs> Finally a Halo show. I watched the little teaser and I was like, that's it? Because they, they actually dropped a proper trailer. Right. So I've been playing Halo since it first came out. Mm-hmm. My my best friend John was living on our couch uh-huh. and we happened to have an Xbox. He got Halo the day it came out and we played it on our couch in college for weeks. Nice. And kept playing as they came out with new games with multiplayer and all that. Uh-huh. And there was talk of a movie or a series. At one point, Peter Jackson was you know involved and right. nothing's ever come. And so 20 years later, mm-hmm. or, or, or give or take... Right. I guess what? 15, 15 years. Something we finally, like that, finally going to get a Halo series. So cool. That'll be, that'll be interesting. I know nothing about Halo other than it's a video game, but and again, I always had a PlayStation. So yeah. well, that's where you went wrong. <clears throat> well, I don't know. We had some good times. My, I had a roommate who had a PlayStation, the original before the PlayStation two came out and it was kind of he had Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and we were pretty excited about that. We all worked different shifts, and for a while there, we all actually were just playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater around the clock yeah. based on who was at home and who wasn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, oh, I got to go to work. Here, here's a controller. Another person would just roll up and pick up the controller. And carry on. And we just keep playing. That's right. And there's nothing like it at the time. I mean, there would be times where like two, three in the morning <laughs> and like one person would fall asleep and then like another person would come home from work because we had a lot of bouncers <laughs> that would come in and out of our, our apartment. It'd basically be on just, just on loop 24 hours a day. Okay. I didn't know this existed on this next one until you actually put it on the list. And then I was like, <laughs> oh my, I am I very excited for this one because I'm a huge <laughs> fan. Yeah. Reno 911. The Hunt for QAnon on Paramount+. Plus. Yep. Oh, man. So the pitch on this is, should we be further riling up the right wing? <laughs> that is true. That's a good question. Yes. There, we we I, shouldn't be making anybody... I imagine... Anymore. Yeah. I imagine there might be some pearl clutching coming out of this, yeah. uh, this, <laughs> this movie. True. So, so it's a special, and it's the Reno 911 gang... Uh, looks like they're going to be going on the road, or at least on the ocean, to serve. I think they're searching for QAnon so they can serve them with a search warrant or subpoena or something. Uh And it requires them to go undercover, and a lot of parody looks like it's going to ensue. Yeah, I'm I'm all down for Reno 911. I I didn't catch their revival seasons because it was on that Quora Quora app. Quibi. 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 Right, that's right. And those were only eight-minute episodes or something like that. And when that went under, Roku picked all that content up, and I haven't yet watched it, but but you can... I, I looked at it, and... They have every every episode up there. There's like 20 episodes that are eight minutes long. Yeah. I'm excited about this one. They Reno 911, yeah. they're crushing the comedy. So, all right. Uh, this next one, The Book of Love, or not The Book of Love. It's Book of Love no. on Prime Video. The Book of Love. A Hallmark slash Lifetime, but on Prime Video. <laughs> That's what I got out of it. So, it's, a, it's an author, a struggling author who finds out that his book is killing it in Mexico. Right. And so, his editor says, Sends him down there to do a tour. Turns out the person who translated his book in Spanish decided to do some rewrites. And then looks like love ensues. I actually like this trailer a lot. And, you know, a Hallmark Lifetime movie, but on Prime Video and with a budget is is probably what I would say. You know, because it (laughs) it has has some good quality to it. Yeah. It's with that guy from... um, 
Midway in, in Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't know what his name is, but I, different actor. Yeah, I, 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 different actor. Yeah, you're thinking of somebody else. No, he's. Uh, let me think. It's Sam. What's his name? Sam. Cla- Sam Claflin. Cla- yeah, Sam Claflin. He wasn't in Game of Thrones. Yeah. No, but he was on Hunger Games. Oh, he was on Hunger. Yes, that's right. I don't know. They all look the same. You're thinking. You're thinking of the guy that played Dario, the first actor to play. Dario. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I get. I get mixed up with these British actors that play everything in the world. All those white guys look they, the same. They all. All those white guys. They all look. <laughs> all the those same. white. All those white dudes with with chiseled features and dimples look the same. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And he grew his hair out too. Bless his little cotton socks. Uh, yeah, I I thought it was that dude. I forgot that he was on. I, I kept. Mi- I mix those two up all the time. For some reason, I don't know. They, you know, they're just uh, they're made in a factory. All right, this next one, which is a, a solid skip for me. Uh, <laughs> scream! Oh, what's old is new again, Tim. Looks like it's part reboot, part bringing the gang back together. Yeah, but scream for a new generation. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's it's uh, it's presenting itself kind of like uh, I'm gonna say. The Force Awakens is is pretty much the format for yeah. for bringing in the new cast. You know, you start with introduce the new characters, slowly bring in the old characters, and they all do their thing together. Um, hey, it worked. It worked for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Well, it was that was pretty well done. Um, but it is a good format to do, and when you're not trying to just cash in. Yeah. Uh, my question is why. But hey, there's there's checks to be cashed because money. Yeah, because money too. They need that's they why they need to sell. They need to sell Halloween costumes. Yeah, because they've they've seen they've seen the sales of the ghost face killers. Yeah, steadily decline because people are forgetting They're about for, scream. That's right. That's right. So we need a new scream. We need movie our scream to sell those masks. Our man. scream branded content. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> a lot of those horror films they were good when they did their first first one and maybe the second one was okay too but i i mean you know you know the original scream basically reinvented the horror genre right i mean there wasn't really anything like it before and yeah. then after it it just kicked off this two decade run of just new an original idea new horror with yeah a massive amount of sequels you know you got i know what you did last summer you've got Final Destination, Saw, they just all, someone came out with a good concept and, and, you know, because they started doing sequels to it, oh, let's come up with something else. We, there's still more money to have, to have. Yeah. But all right, let's move on. Moving Sonic on. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on Paramount Theatrical in the theaters. Oh yeah. So they're getting the Sonic gang back together. Yes. I was pleasantly surprised by the first one. Actually, I, I, I was as well. I thought it was all right. Considering considering how fraught it was at one point, if you remember if you recall back when the first trailer dropped for Sonic the Hedgehog one, yeah. They just mutilated the look of Sonic that caused Oh yeah, that's right. Men children everywhere. Men children everywhere. To scream at the top of their internet lugs. That they're ruining their childhoods. They shelved the movie so they could redo all all the look of Sonic and redo all the special effects, and they relaunched they it. They couldn't take a chance, man. They couldn't take a chance. They couldn't take a no. chance. And and I'll say, pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, because it wasn't. Terrible. My son immediately loved it. I think it might have been. It might have been one of the last movies that we saw in theater before the world was shut down. Yeah. I loved it. My son was really entertained. So. Mm-hmm. 
Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the trailer shows that Tails is going to be there, Knuckles is going to be there, even Jim Carrey back as Dr. Robotnik, where the look is like the classic video game, Dr. Robotnik. Right. Yeah. I- I'm here for it. All right. Yeah. Our kids are definitely going to want to go see that when they catch the trailer. Oh, yes. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This next one, Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. <laughs> so this pitch, Guy Ritchie plus Jason Statham equals... Yes. <laughs> oh, of course. You can't go wrong. I mean, Jason Statham has been the muse of Guy Ritchie for 20 years or longer now. I think it's like their fifth, their, the fifth movie they've done together. Yeah. Hugh Grant, man. He's really just transitioned. He He's done a 180 from that floppy-haired romantic guy yes. to this fierce... He's one that's really moved his career into the direction that he's wanted it to go in with his age. You know, you can't... You just oh, can't yeah. keep doing comedies forever. You can't keep doing no. being the romantic lead forever. It's just not going to work. And... And and at a certain point, it's going to burn out. But when you take certain roles, you take a little time off, you take certain roles that kind of transitions you. And I mean, Hugh Grant's going to be acting forever. He's going to be like, oh, yeah, like uh, Sean Connery, Michael Caine and Michael Michael Caine. Yeah. Yeah. Without a so doubt. it's funny that you mentioned Hugh Grant in this yeah. because the character in this movie seems very similar to another one that he played in another Guy Ritchie movie, The Gentleman. Oh yeah, that's right. I I almost thought it was a sequel. Oh okay, just the way that he was playing it. May well could be, but mm. I, I The Gentleman was really good as well. Yeah. I, that was a really underrated film. I thought I actually only watched about half of that. Really? Yeah, we were looking for a, a you know something on the lighter side, and and uh, you know it was one of those. I don't want to watch this, so I, I never came. Yeah, I never you might want to rewatch it. Yeah, I you might want to rewatch. I, it. I, I you know I saw Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels in the theater, Same. and I think it was playing in the the artsy theater in Scottsdale. You know, because it was limited uh, release. I, I think I watched it. I think I watched it the the one on on Mill. Oh, okay. Uh, the Valley Art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I'll watch the Valley yeah, Art. Yeah. So it was really exciting to see and just such a great film. Reinvented these kind of, I don't know what the sleuth movies. Caper. Yeah. yeah. So like Cape Caper, Crime, Heist. Yeah, exactly. Movies. Exactly. And I've been a big fan of Guy Ritchie. I do recall somebody in late night talking about when he when he married Madonna and they did a, a did a movie together. And I can't remember what it was and I never saw it, but um, somebody had said, oh, you know, I think it was Seth Meyers when he was on Saturday Night Live. The good, yeah. and they said, the good news for Madonna is that she gets to be in a Guy Ritchie movie. The bad news for <laughs> Guy, Guy Ritchie is that he's making a Madonna film. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those taglines I'll never forget. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think he's recovered. He has a certain style and he's just done some phenomenal work with his films. So, oh yeah. Um especially uh the Sherlock Holmes films. I really like those. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. All right, last one on the list, Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore. New Grindelwald. Yeah. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen. So, so the internet won and they recast Grindelwald. Yeah. And I'll say the internet won. <laughs> And I'll say, I think for the better, you know, they've moved on from Johnny Depp yeah. and Mads Mikkelsen is the new Grindelwald. I, I think he might be a little more menacing and, and like, oh a, yeah, a little, a little bit more intimidating. He is menacing. Oh man. Johnny Depp's a puppy dog. <laughs> Even when he's a bad guy. I mean, I mean, if you've, if you've seen the, the, what was it? Hannibal? 
the, yeah. the, the prequel I, I that watched they did with Mads Mikkelsen yeah. on, oh my gosh, probably for the better I mean, that they recast. Yeah, that's true. Even going back to Casino Royale, I mean, he's been a, he's a phenomenal actor. And a phenomenal villain. He's a fantastic. He's just got that look. Yeah. He's got that look. He is. He's just has that, just that stare. I, I'm excited uh, for him about this. I'm not sure I'll see it though. I watched the first Fantastic Beasts. I thought it was rather dull. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's Harry Potter. Eh. It's in the Potterverse. So well, uh, my kids will probably watch it one of these <laughs> days. But I had a hard time getting through the first one. Yeah, yeah. it was it was yeah. a little hard. I'll give it another shot one day. All right. Okay. Let's uh, now streaming coming out. Actually, coming out Friday, Thursday yeah, night. Notable releases. notable releases. Yeah, this is a notable release. This is a short list okay. because there's only one that matters. Spider-Man No Way Home. That's the That's list. That's it. <laughs> That's all we're going to I didn't see. Even look up, I, didn't even, I didn't even look to see if anything else is coming out this oh, week because that that's the American list. Underdog's coming out. But oh, yeah. Yeah, even, right. you know, he can wait. Yeah, he That'll can. be on streaming faster than Spider-Man No Way Home. Possibly. That's for sure. This is a, a film that'll bring people back to, especially, you know, uh, West Side Story kind of bombed at the box office. Not that it's a terrible movie. It got great reviews, but at the same time, you know, does, do people really want to go back and see a film that's a, a remake of a film? There's, but people do want to go back to see MC That's movies. right. They, they will. They will do that. We're, we're definitely going to go see this one on Friday, and yeah. uh, that'll be fun. Taking my son. We'll see, nice. see what he... I'm going to try to get him to watch the other two. All okay. right. So... All right, let's let's look at our, our short review. This will be this will yeah. be all Nelson here, and we're talking Encounter, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. It was directed by Michael Pierce, and it stars Riz Ahmed and Octavia Spencer. Yeah, so Riz Ahmed plays a decorated Marine Corps veteran who's on a rescue mission to save his kids from a mysterious threat that just might be body snatching alien. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying much attention to the trailer, but it did. did I, yeah. I was thinking more melodramatic military film which i can only take yeah. so much of being someone who's in the military and, and having friends that that have ptsd i had no idea that body snatching aliens would be in it but maybe <laughs> i'll give it a shot so it's very difficult to talk about this movie without spoiling a lot of it and so i'm gonna speak in very very general terms on this it's sci-fi with a lowercase s so there's <laughs> there's a bit of sci-fi in it it's as much a family drama as it is an alien movie. Okay. Yeah. My first impression is very good. Okay. It's a very good movie. Nice. Um, I think when we talked about the trailer, I mentioned that it was like frailty, but with aliens. That's right. I remember. Um, so if you're not familiar with frailty, kind of similar concept where it's a dad and his kids and the dad believes he's on a mission from God to kill demons on earth and he murders a bunch of people uh -huh. and they're not sure if it was real or not. And this is very similar where it's, it's an alien invasion and uh, it revolves around, you know, the main character and his children and the relationship between them that drives the entire movie. The kids were amazing in this, which is it, you know, I mean, they always say like, don't work with kids, right? I, like that's, that's, that's the thing. But the two actors that they got to play his kids in this movie were fantastic. And the relationship that they had between them is incredible. So it's as much a family, a family drama as anything. There's a bit of action in it. Yeah. So I guess I'm kind of rolling into what work territory. Mm -hmm. And so movies like this can go in so many different ways and usually it's bad because they like they lean into mu too much cg there's there's just way too much action not enough story this one is is very much a character driven drama and, and examines you know the relationship between you know fathers and sons and then in in the case of children 
when they're put into these types of high stress situations that, you know, they're forced to grow up really quick, you know, explores all of those themes really well. A lot worked for me in this movie. Nice. In saying that, there wasn't anything that didn't work for me. <laughs> there you go. You have it. So in terms of my final take, whether this is a watch, stream, or skip, I'd say a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely see why Amazon wanted to do a theatrical release for this right. before the streaming release because Riz Ahmed is incredible mm-hmm. on this. The children, incredible. Yeah. Very kind of taut drama through through the entire the entire run where they keep you guessing mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie about where it's going and and so I, I, I was I really enjoyed it. Nice. It's kind of a bummer that like a film like this, you know, kind of flies under the radar when it should have more attention. Oh, certainly. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it would have necessarily gotten a full theatrical theatrical run anyway. Right. Um, so for it to have life on Amazon Prime, yeah. it made its way to some sort of streaming platform. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully it gets a lot more attention because it was very good. Yeah. Well, in the eyes of people like us, the people who have really changed the world are Amazon and Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay, so we're going to do a review on The Power of the Dog. It's already streaming on Netflix. The Power of the Dog is directed by Jane Campion, also known for directing The Piano. This film stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Smith-McPhee. Set in the 1920s, the movie's about two wealthy brothers who own and run a cattle ranch. On a cattle drive, they meet Rose, a widowed innkeeper, which kicks off a love triangle that increasingly strains their relationship after one of the brothers marries her. Tim, yes. your first impressions. My first impression is that this movie was absolutely horrible. Really? Yes. You know what? It took a while to get into this movie. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it took a while to get into this movie. There was so much development in the first half of the film that it took the first half of the film to really start to really establish a baseline when they could have done that in about 30 minutes and moved forward with the film at that point. Because Cody Smith McPhee's character was a Pete was so important to this film. And this is based on a book. I did like the structure of it, but you know, they could have got to the point fairly quicker. It's one of those artsy films that aren't really amazing, but they're going to win awards just because they're arti- very artistic. There's yeah. the, you know, amazing performances and I like the second half of it. I really dislike the first half of this film. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, my first impression is probably a little closer to the middle. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh-huh. I thought it was good. Yeah. I, I was really more, okay, I get it. I get what you're, yeah. I get the contrast between, yep, I get Benedict Cumberbatch went to Yale and he ended up being a cowhand. They spent an hour on character development. In, instead yeah. of moving the plot forward. Can you really say that? Like maybe maybe that's a little too much time, but in today's day and age, is that really a problem? I would say yes. I mean, I think plot is is just as important as character development. When you look at something like and, and this is uh, apples to oranges as far as as films go, you look at the Star Wars prequels. Absolutely no character development in any of those char- those new characters that George Lucas introduced, but there was there's just plot going through. So you got to have them both yeah. hand in hand. You know, one hand yeah. one hand washes the other, so to speak. There has to be gotcha. some give and take. When Pete comes back from school an hour into the film, you're already over. Yeah, it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, where what what are we going on? And 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 I text you what I thought it was going to be, 
and yeah. and I was completely wrong. But I wasn't far off that that yeah, I know. Yeah. Of. So so before we let you really bash into this on what didn't work, <laughs> what did work for you? I, you know what? I liked the structure of it. I liked what Jane Campion did, making it kind of a chapter. It broke down into a bunch of segments. I think maybe six segments or something. So yeah. it was Roman numeral one and so on. And they had each one. I, I really liked the structure of that. They could have cut out sure. cut out probably. Um, Two or three, two or three chapters. Yeah, I mean, maybe three and four. The performances were top notch, without a, without question. You get sure. an emotional reaction from Benedict Cumberbatch's performance. I mean, he was just menacing. Yes, in, this. in a very different role for him, and sure. he did such a fantastic job in it. And and I, I that was probably the one thing that kind of kept me going was that why is he so angry why is he doing what he's doing to you know to kirsten dunst's character and i didn't get the impression that he really loved her or anything like that you know the jesse plemons actually got her and he was the benedict Cumberbatch was the odd man out as much as jesse plemons doing the thing that he wants to do was not okay with benedict Cumberbatch. i think that's what worked for me Mm -hmm. is when i say love triangle it wasn't between the brothers fighting over the woman. I think it was the brother and the woman having control or or having the attention of Jesse Plemons' character brother. Right. Yeah, it's true. So I think kind of flipped on his head a little bit right? Um, in, in terms of the object of affection in the love triangle. Yeah. I thought it was interesting where Benedict Cumberbatch's character, where – well, I, maybe not just his character, but a lot of characters in it were, you know, all contradictions, mm-hmm. right? You know, he was a Harvard man that became a rancher. And yeah. then, you know, his uh, Jesse Plemons character was probably more of the rancher that was wanting more. Right. Um, yeah. Rose was kind of like the sad sack that just wanted to live out her days. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, um, the one thing I you know, I she definitely kind of descends into like a madness. No, she was, she was definitely, definitely amazing in this with, with her meekness and the fear that she displayed throughout yeah. the entire film. And it was really kind of explained at the end why she, but it was explained by Pete, I think it was, of what happened to her, his dad. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of revelations as to why the characters were who they were. Right. So moving on, mm-hmm. what didn't work, I think I agree with you that, you know, it was a little slow yeah. to get into kind of the, the main kind of conflict in the movie. Absolutely. But I will give you the floor with what didn't work. The second half was was good. It was good. It was engaging. You know, there's only so much performance that can be had when, when you're not watching anything moving forward. So probably the second half hour of the film was probably what didn't work. And, you know, you kind of get the point by by half hour in. And when Pete gets back from, from, from college. college, that's when we start moving forward with what's actually going to be happening in the, in the film. So they, yeah. they needed to move that up a little bit sooner. So yeah. yeah, the first two acts probably a little too slow. Yeah. All leading up to the to the final act, which really, really got moving, yeah. I think. And I, I also did recognize that since this was done by the the woman who did the piano, I knew there was gonna be some ween in it. <laughs> I was like, Oh, here we come. <laughs> Something to look forward Something to. Something to look forward to. Hey. Goes both ways. Yeah. All right, Tim. Final take on Power of the Dog. Watch, stream, or skip. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's a skip. Yeah, skip for yeah. you. I will say I will say it's a stream for okay. me. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Stream P 
purely for Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I'd agree with that, but it's still a skip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. All right, moving on. Okay. All right. Now our favorite time of year, Christmas time. Christmas movie time. It's Christmas to movie time. So <laughs> um, this is something I have to relate to when I was a kid. Because in 1986, I got a, a Nintendo Entertainment System. Lucky. Lucky. <laughs> I got this. Uh, surprisingly, I didn't have. To, I didn't even ask for it for Christmas. I didn't know. Lucky, yeah. Goodness gracious! Well, the, the, you didn't even ask for it. So, I my brother and I worked over my parents for what amounted to years. <laughs> yes, but I'm I'm significantly older than you, and and the well, not significantly. I don't want to age myself out, but <laughs> this came out when I was in junior high. Okay, and I was in elementary. Okay, school. so the first set came out was the deluxe edition it came out with with duck hunt and gyromite so gyromite was a a game that you had to play with a um a little robot where you actually had to press a button and the screen alerted the robot and then it would take these gyros and spin them pick them up and they would actually push controller buttons to open up these little doors and stuff it was just a never-ending game that wasn't very exciting but you know and had like 99 levels or whatever there weren't a whole lot of games out there, but it was the first big video game system once it once it got going. The next Christmas became about The Legend of Zelda. That was the Christmas. So the next two Christmases, I think, Legend of Zelda and the second Zelda 2 or whatever. Getting games after that was was like the big the big push for me. So this was a great film and this is a film called 8-Bit Christmas which yes. echoes My Christmas, which is now streaming on HBO Max. 8-Bit Christmas was directed by Michael Douse, and the film stars Neil Patrick Harris, Winslow Fegley, June Diane Raphael, David Cross, and Steve Zahn. In 8-Bit Christmas, a man recounts his childhood in the late 80s to his daughter, um, specifically his misadventures during the Christmas when he and his friends were trying to get their hands on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Yes. Tim, your first impression. It was a fantastic film. I first, it reminded me of my childhood. I, I do remember seeing seeing the Nintendo in a store and, and kind of looking at it and stuff, and I think my mom took note and then got it for me. Yeah. But- your mom was much more observant than my parents were. <laughs> yeah. Well, then years later, they had to ground me from the thing quite a few times. But this film was very reminiscent of a Christmas story. It's kind of a Christmas story. Yeah. For it is eighties kids. It, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's it's a Christmas story for our generation. That's right. So then our kids, this the current generation, can understand the plight right. that we had of getting these games it was not not as readily avail- available as downloading an app to your phone right not not at all or, or to a computer yeah we don't have we have the instant gratification that we didn't have in the 80s now you know that's right so it was kind of a good take back to to see how these kids the the lengths these kids went to to try to get a nintendo it's kind of funny though to see you know they had the the mean rich kid in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Who, who, All the kids that you grew up with, mm-hmm. they made sure to include it in this movie. Yes, that was one of those things. All the idiosyncrasies and the, the stereotypes of every kid you grew up with was 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 part of this little pack. You know? Yeah. So, it was good. What about you? What, what the, were your first impressions? No, I, I, I completely agree. <laughs> is It's our generation's Christmas story. The group of kids that you grew up with, whereas like the one bully that was, you know, 
that that seemed like one or two years older than everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the one rich kid, the whole group of, of friends that they follow in this. And then all the little nods back to our childhood were really clever. So what so what worked for you in this? Everything, really. The yeah. the one thing I have to say, the rich kid reminded me of a kid that lived in my neighborhood. And we used to go over to his house because he had every Nintendo game. This kid was actually, do you remember that show on Nickelodeon? It was a game show called Double Dare. Yeah. This kid was. Oh, I mean, come on. Yeah. Who didn't watch of Double course. Dare growing up? He was on Double Dare. Oh. Yeah. And. Uh, so he was both the envy. Yeah. He, he was a subject of envy and ire. Yes. I mean, but well, I mean, everybody envied him and stuff, but but nobody disliked him or anything like that. But um, yeah. he but he had all the Nintendo games. So we used to go to his house and he would check mm-hmm. out. He had all of his Nintendo games filed into like little shoe boxes. Man. And then he would put index cards with our name on them when we checked out a video game. So he was he was gracious, let us borrow video games and stuff cuz he can't play all of them at once. But he's like, I want, you know, make sure you get it back to me next weekend or whatever. But it just reminded me of like, there's always one kid that actually has everything. And yeah, and, yeah so it really took you back to your childhood. Yeah, yeah it did. And, and it was everything about this film really worked for me. I said it before. I liked all the little nods back to our childhood, mm-hmm. blowing into the Nintendo cartridge to make it work. <laughs> what they skipped is how you had to like put it almost all the way in. So then it would would hit the edge of it. Uh-huh. So it jam it in even further. Right. <laughs> You know, I, I I actually didn't know you had to put the thing in and then push push the the game cartridge down. And so yeah. we, I thought originally when I got my Nintendo, I thought it was broken because I put oh, it in because so we had an Atari prior to that. Yeah, you just put you just the cartridge stick it in, in and the it's Atari all good. And it just yeah, goes. Yeah. yeah, but uh, even the you know the Billy Ripken error card, uh, all those little details about funny little stories from our childhood. Yeah. I loved it. Oh yeah, and actually I have the Billy Ripken card. You do. I do. You, you, <laughs> I have that. Yeah. It, and it was uh, the 1989 Fleer. So the, their timelines were off a little bit on this. On this yeah. Uh, well, they, they, they mentioned that. Yeah. Because, you know, when you think back at your childhood, right. everything's kind of fuzzy. It's yeah. like late 1980 ish. Yeah. And, and, and they, they, you know, the way they set that up, it was, it was kind of forgiving. I, you know, I really can appreciate the fact that they, they showed the contrast between, how how we were as kids in the, the 80s compared to now you know you're riding your bike with a helmet uh yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no we didn't wear helmets back then we are i think our uh i think our our skulls were a lot harder back then because we kept hitting we were all latchkey we, we, kids yeah, yeah right like i had my like what i mean would it have been far-fetched for for you to crack up you know come up with a scheme where we're on on a field trip where you'd run off and try to get a nintendo when we were growing up, was it far fetched to see, you know, hear about a kid who got lost yeah. on on a field trip? I was in, and they, I was a kid who got lost on a field trip. Yeah. <laughs> right. So no, I, I mean, kudos yeah. to to the writers of Eight Bit Christmas. Yes, uh, that they did, you know, they did such a great job of capturing a slice of our of our childhood, and then the casting was quite inspired when you're talking about yeah. Neil Patrick Harris playing the the father who's who's reminiscing about his childhood. I mean, yeah, was there was there an actor that played a bigger role in our childhood than Neil Patrick? Harris? You know what? I I yeah, I used to watch Doogie Howser like crazy when I was when I was a kid. So that was my that was my favorite show back then, Doogie Howser, and I, I just feel like he's a bit of a peer 
of mine as as yeah. his his career the, and his roles that he's chosen has has kind of stayed with his age as as a kid oh, sure. and and now he's playing roles where he's a father and those kinds of things and you know I just I just um I I love me some Neil Patrick Harris movies so he 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 is an in, he, he is a national treasure he is my friend. absolutely he is a national <laughs> treasure was there anything that didn't work for you no nothing this was a great Same. movie this was it's so good. charming it was really you know, good even even though it borrowed heavily from a christmas story in its and everything yeah. in its structure and its yeah. tone it was a fantastic film it was an ode to a christmas story it was an ode to the 80s in our childhood it was everything that that a film like this needed to be yes i i completely agree yeah. it was very good very fun movie Definitely did right by, you know, kind of its inspiration, both the 80s as well as A Christmas Story. So, right. All right, Tim, it's that time. Final take. Watch, stream, or skip on 8-Bit Christmas. I'm going to say it's not only a watch, it's a watch every Christmas. I agree. I definitely agree. Yeah. Just so, you know, our kids know the plight of our child. That's right. That's right. Remember, kids, (laughs) these are the things we had to do. If we wanted, we something. didn't have helmets. Nope, we didn't have helmets. You know, we 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 had to walk home from school with a with a with a key around our neck. Yeah, we didn't get picked up every day. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, that's definitely true. I had a I had a key yeah. around my neck with a shoelace. Yeah, take the bus home. Yeah, we didn't even have lanyards. Yeah, no, it was a shoelace. <laughs> so, yeah, stream for me as yeah. well. So, yeah. uh, absolutely. Do you have a haiku review for us? Oh, I sure do. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Nintendo is good. Christmas 86 was good. Nintendo is life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nintendo is life. Nintendo is life. That was it. <laughs> and that is our final take. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and give us five stars, a glowing review, so our podcast can reach more people, and we can tell our wives they need to watch the kids on Thursday night, and possibly Friday, so we can go see movies in the theater. Thanks again to Tyler Hobbs of Space Ranger for the original music. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Email us at thefinaltakepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thefinaltakepod, and everywhere else at thefinaltakepod. And check out our new website, thefinaltakepod. Next episode, we discuss Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh.